You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. So as many of you already know, um, my partner Brian does drag. And when I first met him in San Francisco, drag was totally at the center of his life. He performed on a regular basis. He made dress, dresses for many of San Francisco's most notorious queens. And his house was covered and still is in high heels and wigs and makeup. It was really hard to hide the fact that he was a drag queen. So when it came time for me to first tell my mother who I was dating, I was frankly a little nervous. I knew exactly what she was going to say. Well, what about the church? (laughs) What will dating a drag queen do to your chances of becoming a priest? Which was exactly what she said when I told her. <laughs> and I can't blame her. She was being a mom. Now, I, and I, I had this whole argument planned for, for her, why I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I mean, I was in the San Francisco diocese, for crying out loud. <laughs> but when it came time for me to answer a question, I honestly said, I don't know, Mom. I don't know what the church will do. I remember that that answer surprised even myself. It was one of those moments where I recognized that something deep within me had shifted. I was resting in my vulnerability in a way that I hadn't experienced often before. Because frankly, up till this moment in my life, I had for many years based most of my friendships and relationships on what I could get from that relationship. Much like the Pharisee who hosts the dinner party Jesus is attending, there was a time in my life where my relationships were basically calculations. They were transactions based upon where they could get me. Since I was a little kid, my friends were teachers and pastors and priests and professors and leaders of all kinds. And except for a few brief periods in college, my friends, very few of them were peers. I was honestly pretty much all business all the time. I rarely put myself in situations where I could just randomly meet somebody who wasn't closely related to my academic or professional goals. There was very little room in my life for simply receiving love and friendship that was unfettered and free from some long-range plan. But when Brian came into my life, For the first time, I had somebody who could potentially love me for me. Because he was completely disconnected from the world of the church, the clergy, or anything else that was part of my endgame. This endgame that I had designed for my life. And so by coming into my life, Brian was offering me love as a pure gift. Which is the kind of love that Jesus pleads with the religious leaders in today's gospel to make room for in their own lives. 
Jesus uses two metaphors in the reading to express the kind of love that he wants for all of us. In the first image, he says that when you get to a dinner party, don't rush to the head of the table. Instead, pick the worst seat, and then the host will say, hey, come up here and sit with me. In the second example, Jesus says, when you're planning a dinner party, don't invite people who can give you something in return. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. In both examples, we hear Jesus lay out ways that these particular people, that these religious leaders can make room for love as a pure gift, for love that isn't manipulated or part of a plan. Jesus shows us what love is like in God's reality versus how love and relationship and connection work often in our realities at work, in the dating game, or in politics, where we're taught that everything is based on an exchange, on a wink and a nod, based on this for that, on a quid pro quo. This transactional way of being even makes its ways into our homes. I'll mow the lawn if you do the laundry, I'll walk the dog if you clean out the litter box, ew. And how many exhausted, worn out parents haven't given in to the screaming child and offered a, another cookie or 10 more minutes of screen time if they just shut up? <laughs> yeah. So much of our lives center in figuring out what we can do to get what we want. But in today's gospel, we learn that when it comes to the love of God, that love is ready, already ready to be unleashed in our lives for no other reason than because we exist. Because God made us to be objects of her love. The love of God isn't something we have to somehow make happen. We can't manipulate our behavior, our, our beliefs, who we know, and what we spend our time doing in order to get into God's good graces. No, God's love flows freely and is a gift, a free gift, unfettered and unmanipulated. It's a love that comes from outside, totally outside our transactional world where love, relationship, or friendship are often just means to an end. God's love comes from another universe, another dimension entirely, much like the love a, a priest-to-be experienced from a drag queen. So far outside my spheres of influence that this love could be trusted and simply received. Today's gospel is about this strange but life-changing love that comes from a place completely alien to our to-do lists and our long-range plans, and I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. However, this week as I watched the news uh, of all the tallying of political quid pro quos, and, and I also scanned Facebook groups to see how others were talking about this week's gospel, I realized that we are so steeped in a world of transaction and exchange that it's actually really hard to hear the grace and love that's in today's gospel. It's hard to hear what we just heard outside of that lens of what we have to do in order to earn God's love or anybody else's. Like, the majority of Facebook posts I read about the gospel this week were 
snarky, self-righteous proclamations about how Christians never really listen to Jesus' command in this gospel. They never invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind over for dinner. But their critique reveals how they're hearing these words of Jesus through exactly through that lens of transaction and exchange. As if Jesus were in this gospel laying out the blueprint for earning God's love or for being a good Christian. It's as if all we have to do is be the last in line at the monthly potluck and have occasional dinner parties for those in need and we're golden. And it's not that patience and feeding the hungry aren't good things. These are very good things. But doing good things isn't the key that unlocks that great storehouse of divine love. God is the key that unlocks God's love. And God has already unlocked that love for all of us. Period. Job done. So to hear this gospel as a blueprint for earning God's love is to frankly revert to that old way of thinking, to that world of quid pro quo, the world that this gospel is actually meant to save us from. But if this gospel isn't meant to teach us who we should be adding to our next Evite for our next party, then why did Jesus in the first place mention the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind? Well, it's because the good news in today's gospel isn't about being a good person at all. It's not about morality. It's about who is in a position to teach us the most about God's love. It's about those unexpected people who we are afraid will ruin all our fun, but who are in the best position to teach us everything about God's love. Unexpected people like a drag queen for a priest, like a disabled or gay child, like a sister diagnosed with terminal cancer, like a friend who got thrown in jail for tax evasion, or a pastor who falls from grace. Inconvenient, messy lives that have nothing to offer our best made plans, but can teach us everything about love. Free, unmanipulated, unfettered love. So I, I remember my first Thanksgiving at Brian's house. The, t the table was set with the most normal of dishes, turkey, mac and cheese, and yams. But when the guests started to, arri to arrive, they were anything but normal. There was a whole gaggle of drag queens, a bisexual accordion player, a sex worker, a transgender stand-up comedian, and me, a gay priest-to-be. Needless to say, it was a gathering of people quite different from the folks I spent time with in seminary. But frankly, I was in heaven. I was in heaven because for the first time in my life, for the first time in years, I felt I could totally relax. I could trust that any love or friendship I experienced in the room that day was because of genuine interest and genuine affection in who I was and who they were. The love was truly free. 
was an open table where everybody was welcome without exception. Because God's love is like that. It's open to all. It's already flowing the lives of all without exception. And our job is to simply point to where that love is flowing into our lives and through our lives and to give thanks. Therefore, let us give thanks to the Lord our God, for it is right to give him thanks and praise. Amen.